Welcome back to The Takeaway. I'm Todd Zwillick. A piece of short fiction has been making the rounds on social media this week. Cat Person was published in The New Yorker. It's a story written by Kristen Rupenian. Cat Person has themes relevant to this Me Too moment in America. It deals with the reality of complicated and gray areas in sexual encounters. The New Yorker says it's one of the most read pieces this year. So we're turning back to two journalists focused on gender issues in the news. Koa Beck is editor-in-chief of Jezebel, and Jessica Bennett is gender editor of the New York Times, and they sat down to talk about what makes a short fictional story so resonant for so many people. It seems like the only thing that my friends and my Facebook feed and my team at work can talk about right at this moment is this essay that ran on the New Yorker called Cat Person, a mm. work of fiction. Have you read it? I have indeed. And what are your thoughts? My thoughts are, so for listeners who have not uh, read this story, which you absolutely should, the story recounts the experiences of a young female character. She's 20. And she is courted by an older man at her place of employment. She works at a movie theater. And what proceeds is a courtship and a flirtation. She finds herself in a position that I think a lot of young women in this country are in, in that she doesn't want to be difficult. And she doesn't want to shut down the encounter and she doesn't want to shut down his interests and she doesn't want to discontinue his interest in her because it's not socially acceptable for her to make that call for herself. And so in a very passive way, because of his efforts, the flirtation goes eventually to a date and they share some alcohol and they have a consensual sexual encounter, but it is one that she doesn't necessarily want to do. And it's one that she feels really gross and disgusting about. But there's something very transactional in the sex in in the story and that it's this heterosexual encounter that um, is really nuanced and, and really detailed in that the general takeaway for her is that if I just give him this then it'll be over. Right, and I can get out of the situation. And I can get out of the situation without making anyone uncomfortable, without being difficult, without making Hurting any, his feelings. Hurting his feelings. Having to explain. Let's, let's run through yeah. them. Being a tease, being difficult, right. being inconvenient, not prioritizing other people's needs, leading him on. All of the things that women think about in this kind of spiral in our minds every time we have some sort of sexual encounter, I think. Yes, yes, particularly with men. Yes. And so the story concludes, and, and I, I don't feel uncomfortable spoiling this because for women who are listening, you know how this concludes. So, Though I have to say, when I did get to the end, I was like, wow. Yeah. Um, anyway, carry on. Yeah. In that after she has sex with him and it is a lackluster experience, she puts a lot of distance there and she stops, you know, returning his text messages and his um, interest to meet up again. And then he sees her out with a friend and she is then flooded with text messages about why she hasn't basically been reciprocating his advances. And then he proceeds to denigrate her. And the story ends very pointedly with him texting that she's a whore. And that's where it cuts. Such a pointed, impactful, and really appropriate ending and a very universal ending. A completely universal. Yes. Like, it, to, she did an amazing job. The author did an amazing job, I thought, of incorporating the intimacy and anxiety of the text-based relationship initially, mm -hmm. and then 
in the aftermath, this sort of progression of him, you can almost feel this guy spiraling. Yes. He's like, what did I do wrong? It mm-hmm. was really nice to see you. I'm really sorry this didn't work out. Wait, who were you with? Who was that? Mm-hmm. Are you sleeping with that person? On and on and on until he's like, you're a slut. Mm-hmm. And, you know, how many times have I've seen that occur in my own life a lot. Definitely. And a lot of, I mean, that exact text exchange at the end, I have seen that play out over dating apps, emails, Instagram comments. Basically, all of this, it's all water from the same well in that one of the things that the story tackled with a lot of nuance and sophistication was this idea that she owes him something. She establishes between these two characters that he, the male character who is pursuing this young woman, he just assumes that she is there for him. Mm-hmm. And she, however subtly, is aware of that. And being young and being inexperienced with dating, which is another thing that she gets into in the story, she doesn't know how to overcome that assumption. And I think that what really struck me in reading this piece, and interestingly, I read it side by side with my partner, who is a man. And so we both read to the end, and then he turned to me and was like, okay, so why is everyone passing us around so much? Mm-hmm. Is it because she has the power in the end? And the way that he read it was that she had turned down this guy. She was the one who ultimately ghosted him. And so she left with some power. And the way that I read it was a complete opposite, mm-hmm. which was she becomes <laughs> – part of this very intense, very fast text-based relationship in which saying yes is easier than saying no mm-hmm. in some sense. And and so I thought that what this author did brilliantly was told this through a story. You know, it, we talk about all of these issues of consent and especially now this is such a moment when we're discussing these things and it can get very polarizing and it can get political, but telling it through a story mm-hmm. that was rooted in these two people, I think actually illuminated a lot of this nuance and this messiness and this gray area that in some ways I don't actually think men fully understand. I agree and the overwhelming response and reception and sharing of this, particularly a short story by a female author in The New Yorker, says a lot, I think, about the Me Too capacity to impact other arenas of sexism in that I come from a literary fiction background and I write short stories. And the idea that a singular woman's experience like this could be elevated within literature and shared so widely is really rare. There are exceptions. There is Elena Ferrante and there is Jacqueline Woodson. And But again, I stress that these, these women are the exceptions. They are not the rule. Right. Okay, so Jessica, given that this story has gone so widely and has been interpreted along very gendered lines, how do we capitalize on this moment? I think it's sparking really important discussion about the nuance of all of this and just how complicated and tricky and sometimes gray it often is. You know, Harvey Weinstein is not gray. Right. Like Harvey Weinstein should be in jail. But with a lot of these situations when we're talking about semi-consensual relationships, Mm -hmm. the lack of understanding I think we have and maybe the lack of communication we have between partners or between men and women about what is expected, how each other is feeling, like where you have to actually, God forbid, talk to each other. right? (laughs) And so I guess I hope what this sparks is 
a broader conversation about consent. That's Jessica Bennett, gender editor at The New York Times and Koa Beck, editor-in-chief of Jezebel. I'm David Remnick, and each week on the New Yorker Radio Hour, my colleagues and I unpack what's happening in a very complicated world. You'll hear from the New Yorker's award-winning reporters and thinkers, Jelani Cobb on race and justice, Jill Lepore on American history, Vincent Cunningham and Gia Tolentino on culture, Bill McKibben on climate change, and many more. To get the context behind events in the news, listen to the New Yorker Radio Hour wherever you get your podcasts.